You don't think the moon landing happened? Oh, no. Really okay, come on. All right, so <laughs> moon, moon landing, landing is <laughs> happened. Dude. Moon landing is 70-30, didn't happen. Flat Earth is 50-50. No. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> moon landing did not happen. Have we begot? We're beginning right People now. People aren't watching this. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the greatest podcast on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> the most entertaining podcast on YouTube. The YouTube channel that has gotten all the buzz recently. We have gone from zero to 100 subscribers in Real a month. Quick. Real quick. Only a month. That's pretty incredible. To my left, we've got legendary Jordan Carpenter to the end of the table. He's black. <laughs> Guys, this is a right here. We've got Kyle Shaughnessy coming back to talk about Flavity. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, my name is Sam Mealy. I'm Hunter Young. And we are the, the Sons, Sons of Liberty. Liberty. That was awesome. What it. a good intro. You Colton, guys, Colton. welcome back to the podcast. We are the Sons of Liberty, and we thought we'd bring the boys, the friends, the brothers back into the cousins the of Liberty. The cousins. <laughs> The stepbrothers of Liberty back into the studio today. <laughs> Alabama, not a sponsor. <laughs> Seriously, guys, we're trying to film a podcast. This uh, is the podcast. Who let us have a podcast. This is a family friendly podcast. We are here for you and your <laughs> nine year old children if they want to watch too, because it's it's okay for every Shout out age. Isaac. <laughs> okay for every age. Um <laughs> We're bringing Christfield conservatism to uh, New England, and we all, you know, like we always say, you know, uh, if you want political change, <laughs> you got to have some cultural change, and if you want cultural change, you got to have culture, which is that, what we have. And uh, you ruined my thing, dude. If you want political change, you got to have cultural change. If you want cultural change, you got to have individual change, and you get individual change by keeping each other accountable. And that's kind of the theme of the entire podcast today: is we're all brothers, we're friends here. Um, brothers in Christ, and uh, we'll, we'll be getting into all that good stuff. What is accountability? How does that apply to us? And then we can get into some juicy questions about why we think everyone should be doing this sort of thing because it's super healthy and all that good stuff. So, uh, thanks, thank you guys for coming back on. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, talk about friendship, like you said, accountability, friendship. Uh, I think you, we got a we got a whole good thing planned. We have uh, a great thing planned. So. Hunter, Hunter's got the Hunter's got the hick to the ups today, so he's he's a little um he's a little down and out. How, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I haven't hicked up hicked up in about 15 <laughs> he seconds. He really hicked that up. <laughs> so I'm chilling right now, but um yeah I'm okay. Sweet. We just want to do a, a wellness check. Shout out to all you hiccuppers out there if you need to not hiccup anymore. Hunter feels your pain, so subscribe and like and share <laughs> because we relate to your pain. Guys, we want your monetization uh, cash. <clears throat> anyway, cash filled conservatism. Cash filled conservatism. Oh man, this is off the rails, <laughs> guys. We are okay. Someone's got to ask a question. Okay, so <laughs> we're all we're all friends here. How how? Well, let's start there. So we're how talking we about mean? our accountability group. We're talking about our our biblical brotherhood. We're talking about. Um, what real men are and how they are friends with each other and all um, the whole principle of iron sharpens iron and how guys are uh, good friends and how they can push each other towards Christ and how it's not you don't live a life where you get married and then that's the only important relationship obviously it's an extremely important relationship but 
Um, God put other guys in our life, and a lot of guys neglect that. That's kind of the theme we're talking about today, but we can start from the basics of, of how we're all friends, how we all know each other. I think that might go. Yes. Okay. So how do we know each other? So I met, I met, we talked about this in the Jordan podcast. Yeah. I met Jordan at, we played basketball together. I met Hunter through you. Yep. And then how, how did you meet Hunter? I met, so I met you at youth group. I met Hunter because he was, he was dating my ex-girlfriend's little sister. So that's how I met Hunter. Close connection. No, you were Too playing, much context. Too much context. You were playing, he was playing uh, baseball with uh, one of my good friends. Um, and I met him on the baseball team going to the games. And then we hit it off. Super close friends eventually. And then I got his phone number because we were such good friends. You remember that? Yes. He asked for my phone number. But no, we, we started hanging out. And then we started playing the basketball a lot lately. Uh, softball team for church and then you came with us to Sammy's and well I think it's a common thing I hear that we all started out not liking each other and then eventually it's true came to become good friends which I think is a great way to start a friendship by despising the other person because that means that there are things in the other person that are different and challenge your way of thinking and challenge your worldview which is always good to have in a friendship absolutely it sharpens each other so i know you i remember i was ice skating oh can i can i tell the story jordan yeah this is excellent this is a good story okay you have to ask him if you can tell the story i mean i was right that's true okay so i think it was kyle and i we were we were at camp of the woods like some youth group retreat or whatever i think we were ice skating yeah we were we were talking about um jordan jordan me and i don't know like why he came up or whatever and and Kyle just goes, Jordan, what a tool. He's such a tool. <laughs> <laughs> and this is probably a couple years before we all really became friends. Um, and and it was because had to do with like an Instagram post that Jordan. It was a silly Instagram post. Jordan posted. It doesn't matter though. On it, no, we're just talking about this. No, we're going to talk about it. What Bible verse did you <laughs> yeah, quote with yeah. that I don't remember. Picture? I okay, yeah. Yeah. So Jordan, you want me to be honest Jordan with you? I did not even read the, the, the thing very much. I just kind of Jordan took a thirst trap. Thirst trap photo of himself. It was very, not a thirst trap photo. Very seductive photo of himself with his chest hair. It was a picture of my jawline. Just a picture <laughs> of my face. Actually. And, and then um, he slapped some Bible verse on it and pretended like it was about the Bible verse. And I said to Sam, I was like, dude just wanted an excuse to post a picture of his face. And he's using the Bible to the cover it up. The funniest thing was the Bible verse was like, you know, we, the Lord looks on the <laughs> man looks on the outside, but Lord looks at the heart. Samuel something. Yeah, a six-year-old me was not a very um You were a tool. So yes. I was right. Yes, I was Point no, for Kyle. I, that's always I'd like to retell that story. Was it actually a story? Yeah. But now we're friends. Now we're good. And then Kyle didn't like Hunter. I you know, I think it's just Kyle that has problems with everybody. That people have problems with Kyle too. Don't, gloves, don't worry. Throws his gloves at people's feet. All throws the time. his gloves at people. Shout out to the Pastor Jaylee episode. Um, yeah. So we all have a uh, uh, Thomas Hunt. If you wanted to know, Thomas Hunt had uh, gloves thrown at his feet because he took slaves from the New World and brought them back to England. I learned this on the podcast. Our last episode, two episodes. Check ago. it out. Check it out. If you're a loyal fan, you would know already. Shameless plug. It's true. Shameless plug. We're plugging our own podcast on the podcast. Is that even a thing? I don't know. We'll ask Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac is watching. We know that. All right. Oh so we, we're we all friends. We're all good, close friends now. Um, what are we talking about? We have today? a accountability group that meets every Monday night. What does that mean? And But what does that mean? So yeah. biblically speaking, what does it mean? Like, let's get down to the word. What is accountability, biblically speaking? Are we asking the camera? Or are we I'm asking, asking anyone. Well, uh, okay. Comment down below, folks. <laughs> Anybody here, though, we gotta. We won't wait for the people in the comment section to answer it. Well, are we hopping to accountability? Because I feel like there's a couple steps before you're in an accountability group. I mean, 
we talked about our how we are all friends. I mean, we're friends through sports. You're friends through sports. Um, we were friends through, I mean, a youth group. But I feel like there's a couple we steps. We just talked like women. That's how we got to know each other. Yeah, but I feel like there. you can be... I mean, I have so many friends that I'm not like brothers with like we we even made a joke about like the sons of liberty or the cousins of liberty whatever but i feel like we are closer than friends so i'm curious what you guys and maybe i'm just taking this off the rails here but i'm curious what you guys think is this separation the distinction between just sort of like friends because i mean i feel like we all have those friends where it's like you just kind of you hang out you play basketball you watch sports but there's nothing deeper than that so we did have the desire to start this accountability group and we did that but before that was started, we were closer than just your hangout friends. And I think those are the friends that kind of die off over time. But I think we have something here that I would like to think is is bigger, deeper than just sort of friends who hang out and ice skate and talk crap about people and dribble a basketball. So like, I'm just curious what you guys think the distinction between just like friends is and uh, we'll, I'll call it brothers, but like, yeah. what what do you think we have, or what do you think is important to build and cultivate in friendships so that you have more of a biblical brother opposed? Because the Bible says a real friend is closer than a brother. So I'm curious. Yeah, so where's the distinction? Yeah, how where do you does get it go from, from a friendship friend to, to brother brotherhood? Biblically, yeah. yeah. Curious what you guys. Well, think. I mean, like we always go back to this verse, but iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I'm sure, you know, you could say that as one brother sharpens another brother. Yeah. So. A, a friend, an acquaintance. I would even look at those people who just like hang out together and just like watch football together, or whatever. I see those as acquaintances. Like, if if you have no, if you don't share anything with the person, if you're not going towards the same goal, it's hard for me to really call you a friend. Um, but yeah. so I think what the distinction between I'm gonna go even I'm gonna yeah. pull back the weeds even more on this. If you, the distinction between acquaintance and friend, I would say is some if you have a common goal with the person. If you're willing to share basic information about yourself and find some common interest, um, generally that makes for a good friendship. But the distinction between friendship to brotherhood is you have the right to call me out on my bullcrap. Like you have, I'm giving you as a brother the right to, um, w- even when I don't want to talk to you because I'm covering up my sin or whatever, like yeah. I'm giving you the right. Now, when I'm sober-minded to be like, hey, I'm, I probably do something stupid. Please help me. Um, call me out when I'm doing something stupid and, um, and help me through that. Because it, it takes a lot. Like that, that, that to me is kindness, is actually yeah. is taking the time to look out for your brother, um, even when it, it takes some sacrifice. One thing we focused on in our group is um, holding each other to our words. Right? If you commit to something, it's like, all right, well, you're going to do it for at least a month then. We're going to see where it goes, see how it helps you and see, you know, and, and we, we kind of inquire what what can we do that would that would <clears throat> further your walk with Christ or, or push you towards your commitments more. Um, how can we check in on you? You know, can we ask you what you're doing, that kind of thing? And uh, that's been very helpful as well. Communication is a big part of um, holding each other to to your word, because that's, that's all a man has is his word at the end of the day. And uh yeah, it's a big part of it, so. I like what you said about a, a common goal because that's one of the things we say in our accountability group is, at the end of the day, like all the other things aside, like we can argue about whatever we want to argue about, we can talk about whatever theological argument, but at the end of the day, we're just a group of guys going towards Christ, and that's like the biggest thing we yeah. say at the end of every group, and I think that is what brings you together because not only that we're 
we're friends on a, on a human level and we have the same goals, but also we have the same spirit because we are born again and we have the Holy Spirit. So I think that's the biggest thing that unites people and that that's what has united us together i think so yeah absolutely i because i think you can have a brotherhood with people who aren't christians like i mean there's all sorts of brotherhoods who they have a common ideology or a common goal and they take it a step further than friends but i think even brotherhood to this like next level of like a christian brotherhood is just it is it is one of the closest bonds you can it is the closest bond you can have with another guy it's like this this christian brotherhood where it's like not only do i share my earthly goals in common with you not only do i share some wants and desires but like you said i share the same spirit inside of me like we both we all have this spirit of god inside of us and we all have the goal and the desire to pursue christ so like hunter was saying like at the end of the day, it does not matter what I think, what Kyle thinks. It's, it, it requires a massive amount of humility to be a Christian or to submit your will to anybody. And that's part of what's involved. Like you have to submit of like, hey, like I'm on a line. You have to accept that, hey, somebody's going to call me out on it. Mm-hmm. And as the mm-hmm. caller outer, you have to be like, hey, I'm willing to put that out there and be confident in what I know, what the scripture says. So I think that's so cool that it's like, cause you, like you touched on Sam, you have like acquaintances who just kind of spend time together. You have friends who kind of do things together, but it doesn't go much deeper than that. You have brotherhood where they have a lot of like goals and focus and whatever in common. But when you incorporate the spirit of God in there and then you get that Christian brotherhood where it's like, you are all striving towards Christ. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, And it's like, that's how we want to pursue Christ. And it's like going before each other and being like, hey, this is how we want to pursue Christ. Can you, do you want to do this together? So we keep mentioning the accountability group. I don't know if somebody wants to talk a little more about what that actually looks like or. Well, honestly, you kind of, you and our friend Seamus were kind of the pioneers of the group. You want to just talk about how you guys came up with that? What did you guys feel called to do it? Were you like, man, we just need something. We need help. Was it more for you personally? Or did you see like, man, Jordan really sucks. We need to make something so he can not suck as much. Well, it was really for Jordan. <laughs> it <laughs> was <laughs> also really for Thank Jordan. You, you gotta stop with the thirst. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac can't take it. Um, <laughs> so no. So actually how it happened. So actually, I don't even know if you know this story. I don't know if you know this story either, but a lot of how it happened is, Seamus had dinner or breakfast with Hunter and then Seamus came to me afterwards and Seamus was like, hey, I tried to start an accountability group with some of my other friends. It didn't work out so well. I know you, Sam and Jordan have a very close bond and basically was like, could we be like adopted into Hunter, that? Hunter and himself. Bef- yeah. yeah, Hunter and Seamus because bef- that's how it started. It Seamus came to me yeah. and was like, can I join in with you, Sam and Jordan, because before we started the accountability group every Monday night, six o'clock, my house, um, we had <laughs> blur out the address. We had I didn't say the address. We had Saturday nights here where we would sit on downstairs in the lodge on our couches, and we would do a close replica of the well, same thing. Which, we would get into started it. Started in Arizona. It yeah, started in Arizona. We were all oh boy. Being Are we silly. going? <laughs> no, it, it did. That's how Arizona. it. Yeah. That's how it started. So last year we went to Amfest. Fest um, Turning Point USA in Phoenix, Arizona. Be there December sixteenth through the nineteenth. If you're not there, you're lame. Pause to look off camera. Um, 
<laughs> so, no, but that's where it started. We we were kind of, I wasn't living right. You guys came to me like, hey, you're not living right. And then we kind of adopted this idea of like, we're going to talk on the regular and see how we're doing. And then they asked to be a part of it. And I just kind of, so it wasn't actually my idea. I just kind of set it up, organized it a little bit and talked to a couple of people, figure out what time worked. But that's where it started was this idea that it wasn't this perfect setup group to start. It was just like, hashing at it out on the lodge couches a lot of the time till one o'clock two o'clock in the morning of like this is where i'm at in my life this is what i want this is what i want to see um and so that's how the group started i don't know if somebody else wants to talk a little bit more about the dynamics of the group some specific yeah. questions we ask each other what we talk about well we often within the group we often have um shout out to seamus he he kind of brought this into I don't know where he got it but he he brought these three questions into the group which which more recently by the way for context we started the group in the beginning late beginning of September right yeah August. we've probably been going for yeah. two, three months About almost three months at now. this point um starting this this year and um within the past month or so Seamus brought in these three questions because oftentimes the way it works we go in a circle we all we all talk about our week, things we did well, things we did not do well, but we just go on forever. And some people longer than us, Hunter. <coughs> I'm just kidding. I just slept. Oh, never mind. You're chilling. No, we're chilling. Um, and so, so Shamers brought these three questions and just to kind of help us uh, stay on topic and stay focused because they were getting up to two and a half hours to three hours of, yeah. like, of accountability group. And it was just a lot for people. Um, but so the question one is how did you feed your flesh this week question two is how did you feed your spirit this week and then question three was how did you feed others this week mm. so everything we were tend we tended to talk about fell under those three categories either how we were feeding our flesh how we how we sin during the week how we um were feeding the spirit you know reading your bible prayer um repentance repentance all those yep. sorts of things uh and then uh, how do we feed others how do we serve how do we look after other people did we put other people before ourselves and it and that third one i think is way overlooked um yeah. I, I get i don't know get down a little rabbit hole right here but it's so overlooked because if you've got if you if you're not feeding others it's all of this talk about um all of this talk about accountability and wanting yourself to get better is honestly kind of selfish in a way because yeah. if all you care about is just oh I just want to stop doing this or I want to do more of this other thing uh, I want to do better stuff it's all I it's all about you but that we're just we're just looking at each other uh, but going. at the same time um, if you're not focused on others like oh, how how can I help my family my my parents how, how can I look out for them make their lives a little bit easier uh, my 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 siblings um, how can I look out for others in a way that in itself is healing that in itself helps you with your personal issues because it's got your mind off yourself you're not thinking about all the stuff you want to do whether it's good or bad and i think that is a net good but that that's kind of the structure of the of the uh the meeting itself we we start with a we start with uh some bible reading we do a little prayer and then we just get into confessionals and then after each person goes we have another person pray for that that individual yeah yeah, I can't count the amount of times we've said this is not a Christian self-help group. That's one of the biggest yeah. things that we've said. I was just, gonna and say I think that. that that's the the big focus is like, you can go all day. There's gonna be, while we're on this side of heaven, there's gonna be things that you struggle with. Like, there's no perfect Christian. So like, you can go all day and be like, and, uh, I mean, except for us <laughs> at this table, but <laughs> Jesus, gosh, 
Oh, that's who you were talking yes. about. Um, but at the end of the day, like you can look in yourself and if you look at yourself the whole time, like that's it. That's why you got to look to someone else. So you got to, at some point you got to go do something. Like you can't just wallow in your, right. your sin the whole we day. We were uh, watching a movie. We were watching the movie The Three Hundred last night, and uh, the, he it's said, "Not biblical. It's not a biblical movie." No, we cut around Isaac, the back don't parts. watch it. Terrible people, but um, the, he said the he said an interesting line, which was that the 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 greatest weapon that a Spartan has is the warrior next to him, which is kind of the idea of the group is that we're all there for each other, not for ourselves, you know. And um, <clears throat> the the blueprint for it is in the Bible, right? If one brother. If you have an issue with one of your brothers, then, you know, pull him aside yourself. And if you have an issue with him and he refuses to acknowledge your your um, uh, confront confrontation, uh, bring another and then bring another. And the same thing with church discipline is similar, right? But uh, the Bible lays out the blueprint for, for a healthy friendship all the time. But, but gossiping and talking bad about the other person instead of bringing it to them is not going to. Yeah, and I think the greatest form of uh, friendship that we see in the Bible is David and Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, even even when Saul, the father of Jonathan, um, even when Saul was trying to kill David, Jonathan was there helping his friend. Uh, I wish, oh man, I wish I could remember the specifics of the story. I'd love to just whip out the Bible verses, but I don't know where exactly they are. But that, they, I mean, they were brothers. They had, yep. like, I, it, I, several times, I think it talks about it, just kissing each other on the cheek. Greet one another with a heavenly kiss. Let's we got to do that more. <laughs> And that's a side note, but <laughs> that's brotherly love. No, and I think that's so important. And I, I made a mention of of pride earlier, but I think that's what destroys a lot of friendships because yeah. I think of the Bible verse that says to consider yourselves more lowly than others. And my fi- favorite Bible verse, oh, I always forget the reference. It's John, I think it's thirteen fifteen. Um, it's right after Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And then he goes on to say, and he's like, this example I've given to you, he, he mentions being a servant in the verse prior. He's like, I, I'm a servant, the greatest among you is a servant. And then he goes on to say, and he says, this example I've given to you, do as I have done to you. And it's like, that's, I think, the difference between just a self-help group and like an accountability biblical yeah. group is that. I do. Can you you consider yourself more lowly than others? You set your pride aside, and you learn and you grow together. And I think that's the huge difference because it's not a me focused group. It's not a Jordan Sam. It's Ultimately, we're doing this as a group. group. It's yeah. it's for others. Seamus, uh, we keep quoting Seamus, but he's like, if I have Kyle's back, Kyle has my back. Uh, or like if I have my if Kyle has my back, I have Hunter's back. Hunter has Kyle's back. Like everybody's all covered, and nobody has to be selfish. I think a lot of the times guys don't have good guys in their life, or don't seek out good guys. So they either end up in really effeminate relationships with women, and they don't know how to be friends with men because they don't they can't handle the conflict, they can't handle the tension, they can't handle the just natural slight more aggressiveness that guys have. Um, so you either end up with that or you end up with really prideful guys who don't yeah. have people who can speak into their life. And I think that's hugely important is, and we might've struggled with it a little to start is struggle to like, let people speak into your life and have significant say in certain yeah. things. And, and not only significant say, but like at the beginning of the group, when you enter the group, you are saying, Hey, I'm essentially like you were saying, submitting myself to the will exactly. of this group. So if this group says, Hey, you need to do this. And there is clear, like agreement, like, you biblically need to, too because that's too. our obviously like you need staple to staple text line up what people are saying to the bible but 
if if it goes in accordance with scripture and they're saying it like you put yourself into the group you kind of don't have a right to just say no i don't want to yeah like you are if you say no i'm good you're essentially saying i don't want to be a part of this group anymore yeah yeah like you have to that 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 is that's where the rubber meets the road that's the yeah. the rough part of that ironing hitting the other iron like it's not a fun process it, it hurts it's a hard process it's not fun in the moment uh and bella did our, our resident uh producer here and looker upper of the internet she your your reference was right by the way oh was it yeah it was right and to finish what you're saying bible about, thinker <laughs> to finish what you're saying about saint seamus to wrap up that thing it was yep. like if you're covering yourself but not anybody else. You only have one person covering your back. But if everybody is covering everybody else's back, well, then you've got five people exactly. covering your back instead of just yourself. Um, so that that was kind of what that was. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the things about the group too that I think a lot of the American church misses today is that the Bible commands us to confess our sin to one another. Like that's the thing. Like if we're Christians, what is being embarrassed over your sin? Like what is that to anything? Pride. Like, yeah, that's pride. So like if we've, yeah, I know uh, I got yeah. a que- I just got a question for you when you're done. Um, you talk about and just to kind of play I guess devil's advocate a little bit, but I want you to expound a little on what you said. So you said like we're commanded to confess to others, but if somebody was like, because like I said, the point of this is this is uncommon. It is uncommon to get a group of guys, and there's three more at least in our group who are like core members of our group there every week who are invested in the group and invested in each other and invested in the church and Christ. It's rare to find that. So if I was talking to somebody after this and they're like, Hey, saw the podcast. You guys said we have to confess to others. Like you're telling me I have to confess to be saved. No. So then why do I have to confess to others? Like what would your kind of, if you were to back that up and support that and be like, this is why you should. Well, that begs the question, is there a difference between someone who is saved and someone who's a disciple? Yeah, absolutely. But if somebody was just kind of like pushing back on that and being like, I don't want to. Why do I have to? The Bible says so, but I don't have to do it to be saved. I'm saved. I do everything else, but I, my relationships between my relationship between God is between me and God, not me and Hunter what would your kind of response to an attitude like that? Cause I, I see that attitude yeah. a lot. People want their relationship with God to be between them and God. And that's it. So what would your response to somebody who was saying in this is open to anybody, someone saying like, I want my relationship between me and God to be me and God. I don't have to involve you. Well, the thing is, is sorry, but Christ didn't set it up that way. The way that Christ set up his church and his people is for us to commune with each other like that is christ's Mm -hmm. gospel is the church the people of god are a part of it so you're ignoring part of the gospel if you ignore the meeting with brothers and confessing your sins so you're ignoring part of the gospel christ saved us to good works like the point of us to be the point the reason we were saved is so that we could go help save other people like to Yes. It doesn't a great stop with yeah. us. The, the church is not for the unbeliever. The believer is for the unbeliever. Uh, exactly what you said. It begs the question. Um, it begs the question. What was the, what was it said? It begs the question between a believer and uh, a disciple. disciple. Yeah. Exactly true. It's, um, what did you, what was the verse where Jesus said, um, go forth and make disciples of all nations, teaching, them, teaching them to observe that which I have taught you, right? The, That's the a command. Yeah. That's what we uh, yeah. It's a great commission. I, I'm terrible with exact Versus, references but, it's fine yeah but that, that's that's exactly what you said is is i think that question has to be asked is i mean de- demons believe in god right so so but they don't follow christ 
Yeah, we do. Well, demons aren't saved, but <laughs> well, they not, they, not they acknowledge his existence, but the, with exactly. fear, fear and trembling. Yeah, yeah. but they don't um, worship him. So that is kind of the point: is we're trying to be disciples of Christ. So, I mean, unless you got another question lined up, I'm just curious what else we see um, that points to being Christ disciples of Christ. So we have that sort of accountability, but do we want to spend a little time talking about discipleship or do you have something else planned for us? Well, okay. What is discipleship? Because we're talking about accountability. Is discipleship different? Like I'm just trying to define terms here. Yeah. So what, that's what do we what mean was... by discipleship? Like, are we, are we saying, what does um, it look I'm... like to be a disciple of Christ? Okay. Okay. So discipling as in I am giving my, I don't know, wisdom or whatever. Like I, I'm helping a person. I'm discipling a person along I'm mentoring them, but if you're um, in discipleship, does that mean like you're on the other side of that, like you have a mentor who's helping you? Because if that's the definition, then we kind of all take both of those roles in the accountability group. Like all of us, there's one here that's younger and then the other that's older, generally. Uh, and yep. you have you have someone you're looking, maybe there's someone who's more spiritually ahead of you or someone who's spiritually uh, behind you. Um, and you're you're pulling one person up as you're kind of holding onto the rope of the of the person in front of you. Absolutely. And we're kind of just all going in the same direction. And um, so I think discipleship plays into accountability, in that accountability ha- covers the confession side, but discipleship it covers the the spiritual growth side. Yeah. As far as learning, um, becoming knowledgeable in the in the in the in the word of truth, and uh, learning uh, learning how to uh, have a answer for every yeah yeah always think, be ready to give an answer for that's the, the reason why yeah. you believe i mike think tyson yeah. said everybody has a <laughs> <laughs> mike tyson said everybody has a plan until you get punched in the faith we're not an offender <laughs> i think a a good point i don't know where i brought this from but is that um being discipleship we talk about discipleship and our group like yes we have our group but also there's someone above our group watching over our group yeah we dad. have so that's one of the biggest things that, like don't just go off and make a group like without consulting anybody have a sponsor. Or, exactly yeah have, have a, a sponsor because there's some i mean the bible equates like being young with being foolish because you don't know it in proverbs it does but yes timothy says don't let anyone look down on your you for your youth, but set an example for believers in love and faith and purity. Of so you don't most have to be you don't foolish. Have to. But in most, I think the Proverbs is speaking pragmatically, realizing that most youth are not true. Yeah. But in so love you don't have to be. So no. don't let true. people look down on you for your youth. It's right there in Timothy. I was I making a different. 12. I was making a different point. But I'm that's saying okay. if we were, if I it, just don't want yes. anybody to look at it and be like, "Oh, I, I have a past," because that's how I lived a life. You don't want Isaac I have to be past. sad about himself. I have you a want past Isaac for being empowered. a fool. I have a past for being immature. I have a past for being dumb because I'm young and young people are dumb. I have a past and I lived a lot of my life <laughs> being dumb for 14, 15, 16, 17 years old because I felt like I had a past to be dumb under the guise of learning when that doesn't have to be that way. So that's the only reason I speak up no, I was ass like that. I get the point that you're making, but the point that I was making is that the point of having an older person over the group yeah. and over you in general because the Bible talks about in, is it in Timothy or, it might be in Titus, it talks about how Young, older men should be teaching yeah, younger it's men. It's Titus. And older women should be teaching younger women, and that's the way that it's set up. Like, so you should always be learning from someone who's older so that you don't have to make the same mistakes exactly. that they made. So I think that was the point. I get that's, what you were saying. No, but that was fair. the point that I was making was that it is important to be not just hanging out with guys your age. You should be hanging out with guys that are older that 
know more than you do. And so. younger. I think Sam touched on this point. You should, I think, realistically, at all times, if you can, be being discipled and discipling. And, discipling goes or, both ways, yeah. and being a disciple of Christ, pouring ultimately. So me, you're yeah. following a Christian, you're following Christ, and you're also pouring out because if you're not pouring out what you learned and if you're just intaking, when does that become selfish? You know, right. you yeah. know, if, if people are pouring out and pouring out and pouring out into you, they're pouring out into you so you can go out. Like you mentioned the Great Commission. It says, like, go therefore and make disciples. Like, you have a duty to go out into the world doesn't have to be another country. Yeah, I think you um, and I talked about when we were in Berea, um, we were talking about how uh, we wanted to outreach to some of the younger guys that were there and kind absolutely. of be, take them under our wing in a sense, right? And uh, a lot of it was like when we were 15, we were idiots, like You're exactly like you were saying. <laughs> some, some of us still are. Um, but it's like if, if we had a group like this when we were 15, how much better off we would be, how many dumb decisions we wouldn't have been able to make. And yeah, I think being able to be that for some younger guys would be really, uh, really awesome. Yeah, and I think the greatest, I, we always talk about this, I think we mentioned this last time I was on here, was that as a parent, your greatest ministry is your children, and I think ultimately that's what, we are very family-oriented, all of us, mm-hmm. and that is a huge push behind what we want to be, is we want to be good husbands, good uh, good fathers, um, we want to be good husbands to our wives. We want to be good fathers to our children. And we want to raise up a generation that will do this. You always quote the verse. It's like, raise up your kids in the ways of the Lord and they will not surely not depart it. Depart. Um, so that is why it's so important. We found a good father, a good husband, a good dad to kind of oversee our group a little bit. And it's like we respect his walk with Christ and what that has led to as fruits inside of his life. So that's what we're trying to kind of produce, and that's really the role fathers should take. So that's just a note on on sort of the the hierarchy we have under this is our leader follows Christ, we follow him and Christ. He's discipling us while still being discipled by other people because right. he you never reach this pinnacle. The second someone's teaching you and they tell you they have arrived and they're not being taught anymore, stop following them. Um, not a great idea because you're always learning. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, Paul said, "Follow me as I follow Christ." Yeah. You might say, "Wow, Paul, that's kind of prideful." What you think you're so good or whatever that you're telling you're telling Timothy or I don't know if it was talking I to think Timothy. It was Timothy. Okay, and he's saying, "Follow, follow. You know, do what I do. You know, don't and just do that right now. Like you're." We'll we'll get to the bigger leagues right now, but right now just look at me do what I do. Like he didn't say that. With, I don't think he said that with arrogance, but there is a certain no. amount of understanding of like self awareness that I don't think is prideful at all to be like, hey, I used to be like this, and now I'm a lot better. It wasn't me; it was all the Holy Spirit and um, you know sanctif- the sanctification. And now I have an opportunity. There is someone who I see that used to be where I was, and all I could say, hey, I mean, I just I did I took the steps. And the Holy Spirit helps me, and the Holy Spirit brought me out of this to this place, uh, brought me out of my sin and to this place. I'm not perfect, but I'm better. Just do what I did, and you'll get the same results. It's like, is, do you think that's essentially what he meant by that verse of follow me as I follow Christ? Absolutely. I mean, the Bible talks about, I was trying to think of the verse, it's, it's, they were saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimonies. And it's like the most powerful thing, like you can tell a hundred stories about Christ from the Bible 
one of the most impactful things, we have a group at our church teen challenge and they come in and they give their testimonies and they're like, I was dead on the side of the road on heroin. And now I have a family and kids and I help run a youth ministry. And it's like, that is extremely powerful is your testimony. So it's, it's not pride of like, Oh, look what I did. It's look at where God brought me from. Like, look at what God brought me out of just like God brought the and I have Israelites. A horrible testimony. I wish I was addicted to heroin. <laughs> Dang. Um, just like the God <laughs> you, you could start. I mean, uh, it's never too late. You never could, too late. but just like God brought the Israelites out of Egypt and that was a major testimony to his goodness. And he brought them out of Babylon again, and that was another testimony of his goodness. And then he saved them at Passover, and that was another. There were so many testimonies of his goodness because of where they were, and then he brought them out of there. So if you can't recognize what God did in them, like this self-pity thing that people have, oh, of like, yeah. woe is me, that is pride, and that is not biblical. You have to be able to recognize where you are. It talks, I think it's in First John, it says, like, examine your heart and to see whether you're in the faith. Um, the faith, uh, as Mike Tyson would say. Um, <laughs> But you should be able to examine your heart. You should have people around you who can examine you, your actions. Good trees produce good fruits. Bad trees produce bad fruits. And to kind of see, where am I? And if God has brought you out of the dregs, you should be able to stand before people and be like, this is where God brought me out of. I'm still going here. Sorry, do you want me to stop tapping on the table? Yeah. Um, uh, like this is where God brought me out of. This is where I am now. And this is where he's taking me. Like you should be able to recognize where you are in your journey and where God's taking you and where he's taking you from. No. Yeah. And if, if God hasn't Sorry, done, it's really loud. I didn't if, if God hasn't done anything in your life, like there's no way that any honest Christian can say that God's done nothing in their life. Like They're or probably else... not a Christian. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, it's a, like, I like what you said about how it's, it's prideful. You're like, we do that thing where we're like, oh, I'm so, look at me, look how bad I am. And it's like, what are we doing when we're doing that? Like, yeah. it's so not masculine, yeah. to say the Effeminate. least. Yes. Effeminate. Yes. Yeah. Where does joy play into all of this? Because we could, I, I tend to get down on myself week after week. And sometimes within the group, we have to, at least me personally, I, 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 I get so fed up just like every week just being like man do i really have to talk about this again and it can get it can get i can get really down to myself it can be depressing it's annoying it's like man why can't i just be better um but and oftentimes i can get i don't know discouraged where does joy play into accountability where does joy play into discipleship how can we have joy in a world that wants so desperately to steal that from us the hope of christ i think um, and your dad is really good at reminding me of this, is that uh, we suck. It's as simple as that. We suck. We all have fallen short of the glory of God, but we're forgiven. And it really is that simple. But we still struggle. And we still, like, how do we main, how do we hold on? How, how does hope give us joy? How do we hold on to that? Because so we can have joy at the moment we receive this Holy Spirit. It is the greatest moment of joy in the entire, in the, that you could possibly have the living God of the universe is and is as is beginning to inhabit you. Like there is no greater joy, yep. eternal, perfect joy you could feel than that moment. But as we go on and uh, as we live our lives, we realize, man, we're still carrying this old nature, this the old man that is that is eating away at us, um, that we have to fight against. Hence, the accountability group, and 
you can get you can get lost in the sauce sometimes. Like, yeah. man, there's like I it's all I'm just the worst. Like, how can God still love me? And how does how does holding on? Because you can just say, well, it's the hope of Christ. But how does that play out in our lives? Like, I I believe you. But how does that manifest the, itself the, in our the lives? The constant and bitter, as Charles Spurgeon puts, the constant and bitter war with your sin. Yeah, and I think it's hugely important to remember two very biblical principles of of first, there's no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. So it's like it's having the assurance of what Christ has done in your life and not forgetting that. Like the Israelites were brought out of slavery and they were like, oh, but now we're hungry, so is this even better? And it's like, we had melons back in Egypt, and it's like not being like that, not being like, oh my gosh, I was this miserable, like being able to recognize, wow, I was really bad, now I'm bad, and Christ is bringing me to goodness, to proximity to him, but being able to see where you were. So remembering that you're not condemned, that Christ has forgiven you, and he will continue to do a good work in you. Um, oh, what's that verse? It talks about how Christ promises to continue the good work in you until the day of Christ Jesus. I think it's Philippians. When you were perfected Ephesians. In, when you were perf- that it, the verse basically says that Christ will perfect you on the day he returns, and not till then. It would say you will be perfected in the day of Christ Jesus. Um, but I think the other principle is to not grow weary of doing good. The Bible says do not grow weary of doing good, but in due time you will reap the harvest so it's like i think a lot of the times we get you can get kind of tired you know what i mean and the bible promises the harvest at the end and you kind of keep your eyes on christ hunter mentioned that that's something i try to mention every single week we meet is we are guys striving after christ and it's it's easy to say it's hard to do but that's why we have the group that's why we stay in contact all throughout the week is Help me keep my eyes on Christ. Help me keep my eyes in a good spot because the second you take your eyes off of them, the Bible says the devil's a prowling, prowling lion seeking for whom he could desire. So as soon as you take your eyes off of it, I mean, Peter fell in the water, but if you're being attacked and you take your eyes off of off of the goal, you're probably pretty done so. The Bible is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. So it's just keeping your eyes in the right spot, keeping your focus, keeping your mentals in the right spot, and then having people around you when you're not to kind of be like, hey, shape up, step in line. Left, right, left, right, left. Also, too, I think even because the thing is when we're when we see our sin, like our focus should never just be on us and on our sin and what we're doing to, in the day to day life. Like our, like our focus should always be on Christ. Like we're not going to solve our issue of sin. If we're just looking at ourselves, we weren't the ones who solved the sin problem in the first place. Jesus was. So I think that if we're looking like, well, how do I go on when I'm like, I'm just so bad and I'm just a sinner and I've got all the sin. And it's like, well, don't forget your first love. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said, don't forget your first love. And I think that that's what we do. And we say, oh, well, yeah, Christ saved me then, but like now I'm still so bad. And it's like, that's not really how it works. Like he's, if you're saved, you're saved. Once saved, always saved. Oh boy. That's another podcast. (laughs) That's another podcast. No, but like at the end of the day, like if we're looking at Christ, our sin is going to shed off because we're seeking those things like the fruits of the spirit. We already have the spirit if we're Christians because Christ has given it to us. It's nothing we can, we can't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and sin less. We do it by being more like Jesus. So I think that that's a distinction we have to make. Mm -hmm. So 
Jordan, I think I, I know I questioned you there about hope, um, but I think you were actually right because biblically speaking, I don't know. I, there's some verses here that I think um, kind of expound on what you were saying is that the hope of Christ brings joy. I mean, you've got Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You've got joy is the um, the second one right there. So, um, and then, you, you know, I guess some other verses here. One I think is is really, really good. Hebrews 12.2, actually looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is, is that Jesus went through the most horrific thing anybody could ever go through, which is to die, a go through a crucifixion with the weight of every sin of mankind on his shoulders and being separated from, from his father and, and died. The Holy Spirit, or the, the living God incarnate died. Um, yet he did that because he saw the joy that was set before him. He saw the joy for his people, for his church. He for he foreknew the and uh, he foreknew the joy that would come from having relationship with Christ that came through the cross. And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Um, so it is it is hope that that is our hope. The hope of the cross produces joy. And because when Christ died, he went through that agony, but he said, hey, I'm going to give all the joy, all the eternal joy that I share with the Father and with the Holy Spirit and that in the, in the Trinity, I'm going to share that with you, my church, my beloved. Yeah. Do you want to speak on that a little bit? No, I, I mean, I, I agree. That's yeah. excellent point. Yeah. Jordan. Well, and not excellent only... Excellent <laughs> point, Jordan. <laughs> not only the fact that he died, like you focus on that, but also... He is alive. Like you said, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And I think that that's the life now. Like we, yes, we like partake in the death when we eat his body in the uh, communion. In the communion when it becomes the body of Christ. Trans the Eucharist. <laughs> but no, but seriously, like we partake in, we don't partake in just the death. We partake in his life because we are alive in Christ. And if that's we died as Christ. Yes, we our lives raised. are hidden in Christ. And then yeah. when he comes to life, we come to life. So I think it's a, the principle of you're, you're dead in Christ. Your life is Christ. Thank you. <laughs> How does... Reeling it in. What is... No, I just pointed you, out. No, you it's mentioned good. something at the beginning does. of the podcast, Kyle, of, of talking about how at the beginning of the accountability group, it was hard to really open up and allow your brothers to speak into your life because you've got friends going from... Uh, people you'd share, you know, you played sports with to, hey, wow, they're like know everything about me and they're giving me advice on the most uh, traumatic moments of my life and the deepest parts of my Hashtag life. Hashtag Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's a big transition. Um, where does humility play into that? Because it, it was it, it's easy to let pride take over and to just like skim over things. Like, I don't really want to talk about this, that this week because you know, I'm too prideful to really... Like, oh, I talked about that last week. Do I have to bring it up again? How does humility play into accountability and discipleship? I think it's hugely important. So we briefly mentioned on how this started, but we we this started with you guys pulling me aside and being I had that rubber meets the road opportunity where it was like they were like, you are living wrong. We see you living wrong. What are you doing? And that was either a time where I had to be like, I had to choose. God was putting an opportunity before me. He, I had been straying, 
And it was like, you were either going to be humble, admit that what you're doing is wrong and go the other way or not. And I think that is, is how it started with me and why it was easier for me is because I was just like, I just laid it all out there. You guys knew everything from the start. But I think that's hugely important is to recognize that like my point of God was doing a work in me. I don't think like it was just you guys were like, oh, like, let's go talk to Kyle and see how he's doing. It was like, like God uses a plethora of things to work in your lives. And yes, they should all line up with the Bible, but they're not all going to be the Bible. God could use pastors, churches, friends, brothers, parents. There's a plethora of things, even creation. You can see God's beauty in creation and it points to him. But I think that's the, the humility plays into it there. It's like, how are you going to grow closer to Christ if we've talked plenty about the biblical mandate for iron sharpens iron, the biblical principle of you should have brothers, you should have friends that you're that close with, that you can do that with. It might be one, it might be five, it might be 10, but you should have somebody like that. So if the Bible, if God is trying to push you that way and you choose to not be humble with that person, you're not just choosing not to be humble and like I said, you don't have to do it with any specific person, but if God's trying to learn, teach you and help you grow in your life, that's the rubber meets the road opportunity. It's you're being humble before God. Um, so I think that's hugely important to remind myself is like, I'm not being humble before I am being humble before Jordan and Sam and whatever, but it's like, it's humility before God. It's like, this is what God has set before me to help me learn, to help me grow. And it's like, I'm either going to be humble or I'm going to be prideful. And there is a thousand verses probably legitimately about pride not leading to a place very good. The most common one is pride goeth before the fall. And the fall is not a comfortable, fun fall. When you fall from pride, it is not. There is no mattress on the ground. There is no barrel of hay to fall in. It hurts like an hecker um so i think that's important to recognize is like step back from that pride and be like i'm gonna be humble for god or i'm not yeah exactly I, well when you started talking that's what i was thinking is, is i'm not not submitting to the will of sam i'm i'm humbling myself to be corrected because these guys are also submitted to the will of god and and that's what i'm submitting to is is the will of god and that's that's where my heart lies so that's a good point I think it's a good part of humility is acknowledging that God can speak through people is one of the things that you were, you were talking about. And it's like, it's easy to say, oh, God told me this. I'm going to go do it. Like, that's that's easy if, you, if you're if you getting that voice. But it's like acknowledging it's humble to, to say, like, how can an imperfect person, God can speak through them? And you're like, you're seeing all like, oh, how is Kyle saying this to me when Kyle's doing this and this and this? It's, it's so easy to do that. But it really takes a humility to say, like, even though he goes through that, what he's saying is true. Yeah. And it's just true. And I think that that's one of the uh, big things about humility is, was for me, because I would always say that before. I was like, well, how is this person saying this if they're not perfect? Like, hypocrite. Yeah. yeah. I have a, a friend, a close friend of mine, and they will always say that. They'll be like, you don't have the right to say that because you've lied before or something. And I'm like, like that is not like biblical. You can point out the the plank. Like you, you should try to address the log in your eye before you peck 
the pick the speck out of your brother's eye. But, but that also, applies to the same issue. Like if if I if I struggle struggle with anger, yeah, I'm not gonna look go to my brother and say, hey, I think you get angry too much because I struggle with it. Yeah, but if it's a different issue, I think that's different. But also, it's like it's like if you're both. If I'm struggling with anger and I'm submitting that to God and be like, hey, I'm really struggling this and trying to actively grow, I am not illegitimized from being like, Hunter, you just lost your mind on your mother. Like, go apologize. And he's like, well, your your anger's way worse than mine. And he's like, yeah, it might be. And I'm submitting it to Christ and I'm telling you, you should submit yours to Christ too. Right. And I think that's yeah. addressing the log in your eyes to be like, hey, I'm not there yet. I admit that. I'm humble to that. But it's also like that doesn't make you incompetent to be like hey it's it's not okay for you to do it either and arguably even more so yeah, because you what know what say, your yeah. the mindset you're going through when you're doing that and you know yeah. how you justify it to yourself and mm-hmm. yeah. with yeah. but also not tell people they're you're, you can't talk to me about that because you struggle with it be perfect then come back to me it, nobody's going to be perfect so by addressing it you're putting it before christ and then you are accepting to be held accountable on that and you can do that same thing to other people you're not because you've lied before or because like if if sam had a problem with lying and then it, like i told him a lie to my face and then he like came at me and was like oh you lied to me i was like well you lie all the time log get out of here like that's, that's not the wrong how spirit. it works i mean if, that's if, the wrong spirit if sin exactly. disqualified us from being able to correct each other and hold each other accountable nobody would be able to correct anybody <laughs> yeah it would disqualify everybody Nobody threw the first stone because everybody was disqualified yes. to be able to say, I am sinless, shame on you. And it's like, we all are disqualified. Christ qualified us. And now we go and we pursue him. Yeah. And honestly, the point, like we were saying, the point of the accountability group is to look towards the future, is to look, we want to be good husbands. We want to be good fathers. We want to be good leaders in our community. But that starts with us. Like, we can't affect our community until we affect each other as friends, until we work on ourselves. If we want to get you know philosophical and political with it, it starts it's self-government. This country was founded on a on a on a uh, idea that if you govern yourself, we're not going to need to have all these top-down laws to make you do what you should do. But unfortunately, the natural consequence of a debaucherous and immoral society, and when people and the consequences of people not governing themselves is top-down rule. So even we as conservatives, we need to recognize, hey, if we don't like all this top-down authority, uh, government, we need to get ourselves right with God. Because in a way, that is a punishment. A less free society is a punishment for not governing yourself properly, for not governing uh, uh, your, your lusts and your sin habits uh, yourself. And now it has to be top-down because you couldn't do it yourself. Your community couldn't, your church, and that's that's an indictment on the churches, the, that your churches weren't willing to discipline you, so then it had to be outsourced to the government. But the reason for this accountability group is to revive that. It's the bottom-up approach. We would we're, we would love it if there was just a movement across New England and the country of of young men and young women uh, who met with, you know, with who met with themselves, uh, met with their friends, um, and kept each other accountable. I mean, I don't know how it works for girls. I'm not going to talk on that, but all I can all I can say is I know how guys are and we need other guys to smack us in the face and say, "Hey, you're being an absolute freaking moron. Stop doing that." And <laughs> and um I've got that once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> we all need it. Like we all need it, but that is where it starts. That is self-government. We are now learning how to govern ourselves. Um I'm using very politically charged terms, but it's I 
I just like doing that. Uh, and then from there, that's actually how you make cultural change. Because the reason we're talking about this on this podcast is because we want there to be cultural change. We would love that there's political change if there's good laws and legislation, whatever. But that that's way down the road. You need to. I started this podcast by saying, it's it's person personal culture and then politics right now we're in the personal we're dealing with the accountability the nitty-gritty the iron sharpens iron and it's no fun it's tough but man it really helps affect your community and when a bunch of communities are doing this that affects culture so we we have the opportunity to come out of nowhere the country's not going to expect this like what if there was hundreds of these accountability groups popping up all over new england and we've all of a sudden got mainstream conservatism and mainstream media and mainstream christian media realizing hey what's going on over there in new england why are there why are good laws being passed? Why are there so many churches? Why is church attendance skyrocketing? Why are why are uh, fathers why are the fatherless statistics going plummeting so much in New England? Well, it's because they're and, and then we can say, hey, it's because of Christ moving in New England. Accountability groups are popping up everywhere. Yeah, That'd like I just awesome. see it. I just see it as a vision. That's my vision for this. Yeah, is that it could help so many people. And you mentioned the comment about like a lot of the terms are politically charged. We didn't come up with conservatism. Like most of the principles, we call ourselves Christian conservatives because most of the principles of conservatism we draw from the Bible. Yeah, the course. Bible is a Bible of self-government and a bunch of the principles you talked about, and they're in the Constitution, they're whatever, because we were founded as a Christian nation, and they're biblical principles. So they're almost interchangeable in my mind. Yeah, but I love that too. Uh, I wanted to talk about this earlier, but like that's the way our group started bottom up too. Like no one forced our group to be started. Like there wasn't a church meeting that said, oh, we need to have an accountability group. It was just a bunch of guys that were looking for something that was kind of real. Like I felt like that's where I was at. It was like, going back like to what we were talking about earlier but like i was i knew like it, I, it had been two years i've been a christian for two years and i'm like it's there's no lone wolf christianity like i said that to myself and i'm like why am i just trying to do this all by myself like i have older guys but like can't there be some guys like i was praying for guys my age and they're around if you look for them but you were right there and i was so handsome and <laughs> he's talking specifically <laughs> but no i i think that it's it's good. What do you guys think uh, accountability? How do you how do you guys think accountability could affect um, our our popular culture if we had more accountability groups popping up all over the place? It's a good question. Um. Well, I think to have accountability, you have to have people who feel like they need to be held accountable for their actions. Um, people are are proud of their sin, um, and to be accountable, you have to have some sort of feeling of remorse because we're our, our main focus is repentance. So I think a culture that was centered on repentance and being accountable to their brothers, you would see drastic sweeping change. I mean, you see these bills were trying to pass for basic things. I mean, Maine just passed a bill. What was the bill that like uh, prostitution is legal now? Decriminalized, Decriminalized pros prostitution. prostitution. Like yeah. a lot of the laws, you wouldn't have to legislate these things, these ridiculous things. And that's obviously a bad one. But these these bills about like not having porn books in kids' schools or not having freaking these ridiculous human beings reading uh, books to kids, like you wouldn't have to legislate all these nitty gritty laws if the culture had government of themselves. To your point earlier about like um, you're put in this situation by how the culture is acting. Like you constantly saw that in the Bible where the Israelites weren't doing what they're supposed to do and they mm. got in captivity till they learned and they grow. So 
I guess my answer, if you had accountability sweeping the nation, you would have a culture that came out of captivity because that's where we are. The devil has more of a stronghold on America than than many would like to admit. We right. identify as a Christian nation, but l- the Bible says a we good tree produces good fruits. Look at the fruits of America. Look at how other nations on a just purely spiritual level look at America. It is not. The, yeah. the devil has a stronghold, so... To answer your question, I and obviously we're better than some nations on the spiritual level, but we're not where we should be based off where we we're founded. You might even say, oh, well, China, North Korea, they're worse. I they guarantee you, China church. has a—I don't want to—there there are churches going on, and very well, churches happening. Don't tell Xi Jinping. Don't tell <laughs> you always. I always hear you always have to say Southeast, Southeast Asia, um, but— China, Anyways, but no, Jen, you would Jen. you would have a culture that came out of captivity because that's where we are in America. We are under captivity. All of these ridiculous things that are going on in our culture, these things that are accepted by our kids, these things our kids are doing, chopping up little kids' body parts because they feel like a boy or a girl, letting boys and girls fight each other, like all of these ridiculous things that if you took somebody 100 years ago, they'd be like... They are not doing that. Like, that is not serious. The waves of people dying in the streets from drug overdoses, like, you would have, that is captivity to sin. We are living in a culture that is held captive by sin. The chains that bound them, they are incapable to fight because they do not have the spirit. So a culture that turned back to Christ and accepted accountability, accepted responsibility for their actions, and pursued Christ, you would have a culture come out of captivity, which is, I think, what we'd all like to see. Yeah, Yeah, and I think that that, obviously, it it starts in the church with the people who claim to be Christians who are not, like, not actually living up to the standard. We say, oh, like, we're better, we're better than the culture because we go to church on Sunday, and, you know, we homeschool our kids, and we do all these things, but you don't have the active faith. You're like basically a closeted Christian. You don't, your faith doesn't actually affect the culture because you're not admitting the things in your own life that also the culture does wrong. So you're like, oh, I'm a Christian, but I um, watch certain things on the internet, like certain things that um, we have struggled with. And um, I think that that's things that we have to be willing to be accountable for and say like, we can't look at the culture and say, oh, look at them, they're bad, but yet we're doing the same exact things. Like, how are you going to expect any change to happen if the church, the ones who have the Spirit of God, aren't even doing that thing? Exactly. So that's where it starts. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you want get to in, get into that topic specifically about the church, it is insane, the statistics of how many Christians view pornography. Pastors, uh, pastors too. Pastors, even on like yeah. a week, weekly basis, a monthly basis. Like, it's just not acceptable. And I think we are totally, uh, you know, that's, I think we are totally okay. It's totally okay to call that out. Yeah. By the way, if you want to get into that specifically. But I mean, no, it, it is crazy that how little accountability in the church has led to just debauchery within the church. And the church leads the culture. As, as much as a lot of pastors don't want to admit it, we're not a self help group. We're not, uh, we're not here to, you know, be nice. You're not here to be nice. We're not here to, uh, you know, help the victims that, the evil that that the devil you know 
ravages on the uh, and leaves for dead on the side of the road. I mean, Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously said, you know, you don't if if there if there is a drunk man who gets behind the wheel of the car, I'm not as a pastor and a Christian, I'm not just going to tend to the wounded that he hits along the way. I'm going to get into the car and arrest the wheel from the hand of the drunkard by whatever means necessary. In that context, he was talking about he was justifying joining a conspiracy to kill Adolf Hitler. But that, I think that applies to this situation. Hitler beat him to it. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. But no, that totally got me off my train of thought. Sorry. I think um, pastors need to preach sin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They need to not. Whoa! 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 What was that? <laughs> preach against. Preach against, against sin. Okay. Preach, preach yeah. repentance from. Yeah. Sin. Preach <laughs> repentance. Yeah. They just preach said, Let's send more guys. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> No, well, <laughs> depends on the church. I mean, some of them are. Some of them <laughs> are justifying true. sin, and that is it. I mean, not to go on a tangent, but it is something United that Methodist I'm church, wildly dude? passionate about. Is John West when you have churches that go over. corrupt and actually preach and say it is okay to live like that, it is okay to do this, it is like hell's not real. Like you have actual churches that are contrary to the bible and it's like what on earth are we doing not only do we have churches that don't call those out but you have churches that do the exact opposite yeah, there's a church in new york city that had a uh, a transgender something with all kinds of inappropriate objects which i will not say attached to their body that they were walking up and down the aisle with and were standing on the um up in front of the entire church which is Really, really disgusting. Yeah. There's some honky tonk badonka donk going on <laughs> in these churches. Hell's a warm place. <laughs> I mean, you've got the United Methodist Church uh, you, you now conducting um, gay gay uh, gay marriages. Like they are now. Hold on. Let's just be. Let's just what's clarify. The they're not a church. Officiating. They're officiating. They're not, they're they're not officiating. a church. They're they're calling. They're officiating uh, gay marriages, and they're calling it actual marriage, which disqualifies them from being a church. And the, exactly. most, and the craziest part about that, I don't know how big this denomination is, in America at least, like how many churches they have within the denomination, but only 10% of, of the Methodist churches withdrew from the denomination after that ruling came down. 10%. That's crazy. That is crazy. You've got the uh, United Church of Christ that are now paying for women in their congregations using the money of tithe money to pay for the abortions of women in their congregations. I didn't even know that. Yeah. It is despicable, and and that's oh, and it's the United Church of Christ. Like that has that's got to be the best denomination. I mean, they're united. Christ is in the name. Like what the heck, man? Dude, they're paying for yes, abortions. I would, I would go so far as to say, even having gay flags and Black Lives Matter flags on it's your complicit. church, it's it's complicit, and it's it's. I mean, think about all, it this all, way: yeah. if you're a married man, think about your wife dressing up to appease other men. The church is the bride of Christ. If the church is dressing up to appease the culture, that's not just in offense to the people in the church, but that's an offense to God directly. Mm, uh, and our God Excellent is a jealous point. God. Um, yeah. And it's as, it's as simple as that. It really is. So, Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. I mean, why you see, all, we live here in New England. You got the beautiful white steeple churches that have just been so many of them in our area have just been corrupted. Like they've got a black lives matter flag. They've got an LGBTQ flag. The one right here in our town has got a big LG, like beautiful center, a center of our town. It's a beautiful white steeple church, just a LGBTQ flag in front of it. It's not a church. Like what, what are we club. doing guys? The, well, like, the, the thing, the thing yeah. too is, is the, the, like I said earlier, the church is not for the unbeliever. The believers for the unbeliever. Yeah. That's not to say that churches can't be involved in the culture. They should be. Oh, of course. Yeah. But Sunday church 
is for the pastor to do his job, to guide his flock, to break down the Bible in a way that his flock can understand it and apply it to their everyday life. Not pander to Neanderthals who want to touch kids and kill them in their womb. Um, and that's frankly all yeah, I have the, to say the about church, that. The church that I go to, there's a plaque when you, when you enter. Uh, I'm sorry, when you leave the church, there's a plaque on the door that says you are now entering the mission field. Like that, what a great perspective to mm. had. It's like yeah. to have, it's like we get, I, I, I've felt prey to this too. It's like, we want, we have a friend who's not a Christian and we want them to be a Christian, but we don't have, we're like scared to talk about Jesus. So we just invite them to youth group or we invite them to church because we don't really, it's like, oh, we'll just let the, my pastor preach the gospel. And people wonder why they feel out of place, but they should feel out of place because the church is the body of Christ. And at that point when they're unsaved, they're not in the body of Christ. They're not in the family yet. And that yeah. doesn't mean don't invite your friends to church. No. It's just you it's should be able to talk to your friends. You should be able to talk to your coworkers about what you believe, why you believe, lay it out. So that way they have this a slight familiarity with what's going on. Like you said, the pastor's job is to guide his flock. That mem that person would not be part of their flock. That person is somebody you are trying to disciple. So you should be able to disciple them. That doesn't mean you don't invite them to church. Invite them to church, but right. be able to talk to them and get them to a place where they understand. Yeah, I mean, discipleship leads to cultural change. Cultural change leads to uh, complete government reform. Collapse. <laughs> honestly, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Depending on the government, it could lead to a collapse. If the government is unwilling to yield to the will of God, God will strike the government down. He's been... God is in the business of raising up kings and then taking them down when they decide to go astray. Mm. So we just pray that God has mercy on our nation. Uh, but in the meantime, we will occupy until Christ returns. Uh, so I'm going to wrap this up, guys. My name is Sam Mealy. I'm Hunter Young. I'm Kyle Shaughnessy. And I'm Jordan Carpenter. And we are the Sons of Liberty. Liberty, Liberty. Liberty, Liberty. <laughs> <laughs>